0: Hi, I'm Trevor Lynch from Manchester, and I'm listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, Dame, how come we never see baby pigeons?
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, aka Dehizo, hello and a mix of very special
2: guests posed the questions that need to be asked and we are talking everything from we are talking everything from trevor from manchester's question how come we never see baby pigeons dane any answers for that uh... um I, it's a good question trevor i think i saw one a baby
1: pigeon once uh, in a nest uh, under a bridge so I would say given the treatment of most animal life uh, um, to, from humans I assume that they hide their children from us
2: right yeah that's literally it I looked it up and basically they stay in the nest they uh, stay in the nest and it's time to move yeah, because yeah, yeah. once Simple. you are
1: an, uh, especially when you're an urban based pigeon once you actually hit adult and enough to go out there and fend for
2: yourself it's yeah. tough it's like it's basically like staying at home and living in a cot and, until you're about 18 That's what pigeons do. So they do. They fly. They fly
1: the less a lot later, and. Never to return. So, so that's yeah. why I don't see baby pigeons,
2: I guess. Yeah. So to be fair. She, no, you don't get to talk here. You oh, yeah, to she does. No, yes, you she does. No, but she does not here. No, no, no. no, no you here. Come, come later. Come later. You, I'm but gonna I'm cut here. this but, bit but now. But you I'm made here. my life more complicated. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> guest Um anyway, suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dane? Absolutely. No question
1: is too big, too small, highbrow, lowbrow or Too Insignificant. And if you do like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode or subscribe to us on Acast the world's biggest podcast network where you can hear all of our very special guests answering all of our very important special questions. With that being said, on today's show is a British entrepreneur, author and public speaker. In 2016, she founded the website BuyMeOnce.com. It's an online platform which sells the longest lasting products on the planet. Its mission is to change consumer habits towards long lasting products and away from the throwaway culture. In 2018, she wrote A Life Less Throwaway, a groundbreaking lifestyle book about our relationship with possessions and in 2019 was awarded a marriage. Claire Future Shaper Award. She is currently developing the Beagle Button, a web browser extension powered by AI that is designed to make it too easy not to shop sustainably. And she is also the woman, the Marine of Love, who saved Howard Cohen from the battlefield of horrible Uh online dating and somehow was able to wade through the mire of Uh hyper-analysis and find the goodness within my Uh co-host. Some say true. she is one of the biggest martyrs to love in <laughs> London. Please welcome to the podcast, Ms. Tara Button Cohen, A.K.A. Howard's wife.
3: <laughs> Hello. I'll take that. I'll take that. It's uh, all true.
2: God. It uh, is all true. It's listeners. all true, Tara. Take full responsibility. Why am I doing this to myself? It can't. It can't work out well. Surely. Not the marriage. I mean, just the. Uh,
3: I was going to say that's yeah,
2: interesting. The way episode. To just... <laughs> the episode. Hope you like this, listeners. Not they so. like it, Tara. I'm, 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 well,
1: I'm sure that you support your husband in every conceivable way. Of course. Do not worry about his protestations about you appearing on our podcast today, because <laughs> I would say if we were to run the analytics, I would say a good five to ten percent of this podcast is dedicated towards um, your your uh, plight. With <laughs> yeah. the man, she how does come can. up a lot. She does come up a lot, doesn't she, she? Does I mean it's safe to say she occupies a large part of your mind, which I think is very healthy. Yeah, yeah, and you know, given the moral and spiritual support she provides on your side, in order for this podcast to continue as well as on my side it's it's a given at some point we had to speak to arguably one of the brainchilds of this podcast
2: and it's worth pointing out just because listeners last week we had Mam Sham on it's a good episode listen back to that uh, and they were mocking me for me Doing all of the food in the house. I say I, I look after you. Mocking all the food. you. I was being mocked, and, and yeah, and uh, just to let everyone know that my wife wanted something to eat tonight. She got back a bit late and uh, yeah, scrambled eggs on toast, quickly whipped that I up. I got for,
3: scrambled eggs on toast.
2: Whip that up for her. So that's kind it of was nice. It very nice. What, what kind of toast was it, Howard? Uh, whole grain, wheat. Actually,
3: I, I put the toast
2: on. Yeah, but you're just putting toast in a toaster. So, it's, not like, it's, not like it's not like you're doing the you eggs. You didn't make me the whole meal. Put the rubbish out at the same time as well. Don't want to start an argument this soon, but uh, you know, I mean, it's, not, it's not really an argument, how yeah. you're just describing what your normal duties are. I mean
3: <laughs> Don't tell if, I to,
2: <laughs> if I had to choose
1: between making my wife some whole grain toast and scrambled eggs or carrying my progeny for nine months. Yeah, I think I'll choose yeah, the yeah. former. What about you, Tara? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
3: well, he is very good at doing the food, to be fair. I think my problem is I can't remember anything, so remembering what's in the fridge is really difficult for me. So he's very good at remembering what's in the fridge and good. then but, creating meals out of it. Yeah. So, But I, I do all the mortgage and all of that kind of there stuff you around the house. So, To
1: be fair, Howard, I'd, I'd rather cook than do admin, so... It, that's mm. why we, this has worked out. I <laughs> there go. Perfect, that's perfect why synergy. This that's it. I get has it. I get it. Out.
3: I fill out the forms. Yeah. You know the really irritating ones. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm.
1: So you're the straight. You're, you're the straight guy, and Howard's the comic relief <laughs> in this uh, amazing amazing duo.
3: Some would say and, that that's worth more than scrambled eggs on toast. But yeah, yeah. this probably time for a question, isn't it, Dave? That's <laughs>
2: <laughs> the format of this show
1: dictates. Um, I, I mean, if absolutely, Howard, absolutely, and uh, so. Um, Tara, as our very esteemed guest, uh, we'd like to invite you to ask the first question, uh, which can be any question you'd like, whether or not that's suitable for marriage counselling or not. It's not for me to say, Tara. <laughs> it's your platform. You ask what you would like. Then Howard, uh, for the sake of balance, will also ask a question, which we will discuss for fifteen minutes. And then I'd like to pose you a question as well in this safe space.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Feels so and, safe. Uh,
1: yeah. safe space, which we like to discuss for the same amount of time, and then once we are done, I'd like you to start. Uh, good listeners, where you can find out more about your very, very good works, and also I guess leaves you time to check up on Dylan. For those listeners who are more than aware of Dylan, this is his mum.
3: This is his mum on the podcast yeah, this yeah, time. She's <laughs> the one that did it.
1: Yeah. Well, Wonder I mean, maiden. yeah
3: he is very special so I will take that as my greatest decolade he's he's
1: alright yeah he's (laughs) alright don't be jealous Howard just because he's a younger more handsome version of you that's how (laughs) genetics works Howard (laughs) Howard don't be jealous because your wife now loves another Cohen more than she loves you that's just how
2: it works Howard I I do vomit less is one thing. Marginally. (laughs) Marginally. Yeah, marginally
1: less. But don't worry, Howard. You're going to publish for like another twenty years. Yeah. So that's cool.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Come on in, Tara. What's your what's your question? Right.
3: Question. My question is, and actually, I had a question, but then Howard oh, said I couldn't have that question God. because he had a question that was too similar. So you see how I'm already having to don't change them, my question.
2: Don't take them behind the curtain, Tara. <laughs> don't take them behind the, the listeners. It's enjoy the
3: best of all. here. Is just a little old man behind the curtain. If there was a curtain,
2: <laughs> Howard. If there is a curtain, Howard, we both know Tara
1: picked it to make sure it matches <laughs> the, the, the rest of the room's decor. So
3: beautiful curtains.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> right,
2: come on
3: in. So, my question is. I'm all about stories, I would say. Oh, you love a story. I love a story. Absolutely love a story. I have to read about 20 of them repeatedly to get my um, little angel to sleep each night. But there is huge power in stories. You must know it as a comedian. um, And certainly, having worked in advertising, I know a lot about the power of stories. But what is your favourite story and why?
2: Oh, it's a, it's a, you know what, Tara, it's a good, it's a bloody good question. God no, damn Tara. Thank you. No, no wonder he married you. That's a great question. <laughs> I think the thing about picking, and I, I, look, we're going to probably pick, mention a few, hey, Dane, as we often do with questions mm-hmm. like this. I think I instantly think about stories I love and then question the ending. Do you know what I mean? Like, because the endings mm-hmm. often uh, can, can take away what could have been a great story, but then you kind of feel feel like oh yeah okay yeah, so let like, down. I instantly feel like I want to bring up Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is a, a wonderful story that I love deeply, and then has this weird ending of you know
3: they disappear in an elevator.
2: Yeah, and and I don't really try, I don't
3: really that's the film. though. Wonka,
2: Wonka is shown to be very unreliable when looking after children already, so this, this is, is true. You know, instantly for me, not. Okay. Not are gonna make the, are, we baby the film, the, are we talking about the a screenplay or the actual the book by Roald Dahl? It's been so long since I've read the book. How does it not end the same way? No. <laughs> no, right. it's not the same, yeah. yeah. In fine, in different.
3: the film, which is the one that you'll remember, because Howard doesn't really read books. Um, <laughs> I've read, I read, read the... quite
2: a lot of them. I don't need to read anymore. <laughs> read a lot. You... <laughs> don't need to read anymore. <laughs>
3: um, in the film, they disappear into a glass elevator, and, and that's kind of it. Uh, so that is a bit of a weird ending. Uh, yeah. also the tiger that came to tea very disappointing ending they buy a big tin of tiger food in case the tiger will come back to tea and he never does and that's literally the end of the book he never comes back even though they've bought a tin of tiger food so
2: that tiger's a right dick. i've read well. this
3: book too many times
2: yeah no he's a he's a, he is a dick every tiger.
3: time that annoys me
2: that being said, tigers are carnivores. So I
1: imagine there's a good reason that it didn't come back because unless they were taking raw meat and storing it to defrost on his return or actually <laughs> keeping flesh there, which would probably rot, the tiger probably was like, they don't really understand my nutritional requirements at that particular establishment. So
3: maybe it actually just died after eating all those buns and. Yeah. Sandwiches. That's
1: it because yeah, the point where the knowing the tiger probably went into a diabetic coma, yeah, and it was actually. I think of, the
2: tiger who died of diabetes wouldn't have been as popular a book, but uh, maybe I don't Maybe, maybe back maybe back then, but now, that,
1: <laughs> but now that now that childhood obesity is an issue, yeah, I'd say it might be a good uh, it might be a good allegorical story now, yeah. Um, so these, are, so these two stories are not your favourite stories. Not
3: my favourites.
2: No. no, and I think, uh, you know, you want, yeah, like, so for me, I instantly think towards the endings uh, of mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, you know it, it, it is it's is tricky cuz there are i mean what do you where do your your mind go with this question dane
1: well are we are we saying that stories are, are fictional or non-fictional cuz cuz an anecdote mm. would be a story or like you know if you're any any
3: story that, any that story. it can be vocally mm. told it could be uh written down it could be a movie it could be a a book mm. something that calls to you as a story yeah
1: um that's there's so many it's there really hard many. because First of all, some someone decided to name their film "The Greatest Story Ever Told," which I feel like <laughs> is very, very grandiose. Um, but, uh, I mean, I
2: lots of I, stories. I but, instantly think of something like The Usual Suspects because I found, you know, and no spoilers one. to the listeners who have had twenty-five years to watch the film, so fucking, you know, sort yourself out. But um, that is a story that that I feel so entwined with because. As soon as it begins, you're like, right, okay, criminals doing criminal shit, but then instantly it becomes a mystery. Very, very quickly becomes a mystery. Someone's working behind the scenes and until the very last moment, you're never sure who is the the, the the big bad person. And I think that is potentially the greatest mm. bit of storytelling in terms of completing me on a journey from the beginning to the end.
3: Do you need a twist, do you think, to like a story? I,
2: I think we love a twist, don't we? I mean, I M. Mean, Night like Shyamalan used to like I a like, twist. I, you know. I like a twist, but I guess it depends
1: on the predictability of said twist. Yeah. Um, because there's some plot twists now that would be considered Plot twists back then, but like today would be considered terribly transphobic jokes, like in Ace Ventura and The Crying Game. Oh, so, the Ace Ventura <laughs> thing's
2: fucked, completely yeah, fucked. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's really, really bad. So, um, yeah, basically, no best example stories. I, I I think, obviously, you can hear, I think story. a lot of stories start with very common themes, and that's why people in, engage with them a lot. And so, I'd say one of the greatest stories I heard, or read, would be Macbeth by Shakespeare, William Shakespeare. Oh, mm. because, and the reason for it is because I think that the uh, storyline for Macbeth is the foundation for most gangster films
0: mm. where
1: you have a almost a either a, a regent or a monarch or a leader in waiting who feels uh, underappreciated uh, and underrated by their superior. Then they are, with the additional coercion of their partner, usurp their leader only to in the end after enjoying the kind of fortune and the uh, pageantry and the mm. perks of leadership becomes um, disillusioned about being a leader slash king and then themselves are uh, usurped in the equally bloody way that they realise power in the first place. Yeah. If only there so,
3: were more witches and gangster films I might watch them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there probably are some but they uh, it's just um, they're not interpreted as such. But I think yeah, a lot of these films always have a kind of, like, foreshadowing.
2: Like, I've got two, I've i I've, I've managed to come up with two, all right, guys? Mm-hmm. Two
3: favourite stories. Two okay. favourite stories. Okay.
2: I've gone for completely different stories, all right? Mm-hmm. Number one, uh, because I'm a big comedy fan, um, the John Mulaney What's Up Pussycat story uh, from the, the, <laughs> the, the, the Diner, which I'm sure you know pretty well, Dave. Yeah. I think that's just one of the great stories. of I do of,
3: not know this story.
2: I'm, I'm not going to do it because I will definitely not do it justice in Can any way. Can we get a brief synopsis, Howard? Maybe I would say that our listeners should should should, should all go and look at what's you new. You can't tell cat. me
3: there's a story and then not tell it. Well,
2: I'll play it to you later when the podcast you know what is I over. Like about I'll give you the brief idea is that I'm it's a basically plot junkie Dane. <laughs> <laughs> I have <laughs> very
3: few <laughs> voices, but I am a plot junkie. Okay,
2: so the basic plot uh, of this I is too, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead, Howard. The basic plot this is that the comedian John Mullaney is in uh, a diner with a friend right. and they, put, they see what happens when they play What's Up What's New Pussycat uh, the Tom Jones song 21 times on a diner jukebox mm-hmm. and I just think it's one of the great pieces of comedy storytelling you could imagine him telling you it Sitting next to you, you can. It just fits. something so relatable about the mischief they cause. My other story that I was going to pick is a little bit is a little bit different, uh, to say the least. Uh, and it was basically just uh, the JFK assassination. I've found I've found that fascinating in a number of different ways, really. I, I, You know, whether it's film, I've read about it, listened to stuff about it. I just think that's a great story.
3: You love a conspiracy theory. Love a consp- I
2: like a conspiracy that's probably. Based on something, as opposed to yeah, and
3: that's what every conspiracy like the, like, theorist
2: says. Then yeah, yeah I do. That I do, I do, I do like that's a good one.
1: That's that's the origin of conspiracy theory. That's exactly. The, mm. the I, I, on that note, I tell you, I, any story told by the comedian Dick Gregory, right. they're always good listening to. He's an amazing uh, recanter of uh, stories, and mm. um, he's also got some very very good theories regarding some of the political intrigue that's taken place in America during the civil rights era, and um, yeah, some of the involvement with um, yeah, the uh, White House administration and elements of organized crime. Yeah. So there you go. That's, a, that's, a, that's, that's a, a good one. That's a good one as well. And also, I got a thought of that one. Stories are like Charlie Murphy's true Hollywood stories from the Dave Chappelle <laughs> show. Yeah. Those are hilarious. Um, yeah. So the main ones that stand out being uh, Rick James and also Basketball with Prince. So The uh, Basketball Elizabeth, with Prince one is amazing. It's so it's amazing, and the best part about it... So, Tara, have you, have you heard these stories? I have not. So, I'll give you a quick overview of these stories. So, uh, Charlie Murphy is uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie Murphy's blood cousin brother. Uh, blood brother. Um, mm-hmm. And so, when Eddie Murphy was beginning to realise his success in the 80s, uh, his brother would be his, uh, part of his security detail as well. And is also a gifted actor and comedian himself, and was working on the Dave Chappelle show, and just ran, casually were telling them stories over lunch. And they found them so funny that they made him into construction, reconstructions and sketches. And the first one is about his first encounters with Rick James, the uh, rock star, um, which are very hilarious and led to the term, I'm Rick James, branch being coined in the <laughs> Dave Chappelle <laughs> show and becoming in one of Dave Chappelle's most memorable catchphrases. Definitely. And the second story is about uh, Prince and playing basketball with Prince. So uh, they meet Prince in a nightclub Studio 54. Uh, he invites them back to an after-party's house and challenges Eddie Murphy and Charlie Murphy and their friends to a game of basketball. Now, Prince is with the new power generation, and I'm I'm sure you can remember the aesthetic of the new power generation. Um, Mm. So they weren't exactly dressed for basketball. (laughs) And so the idea was that it was going to be a pushover for Charlie Murphy and his friends. And it turns out that um, Prince is, in fact, an amazingly gifted basketball player. Nice. And proceeded to trounce all of them and you know what happened afterwards? They went back in the house and they had pancakes.
3: Pancakes with
2: Prince? Yeah, pancakes with Prince. How come you never
3: make me pancakes?
2: You're the one that makes the pancakes in this, this house. This is true. I also make the pancakes. What kind of pancakes do you make, Tara?
3: I have two Flat different ones. types of pancakes.
1: <laughs> you Both. Brit- British pan- the British pancakes slash crepe? Or do you go for American? Uh, no,
3: sister? no, 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 no. Yeah, definitely the, the crepe, um, lemon and sugar. What with American chicken? pancakes? Yeah. are too fluffy. I don't know. There's something about them. But
1: And that's why you're the cook, Howard. I cannot believe my
3: name. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say
1: Tara, yeah. Tara Button Cohen. Yeah, we'll you are now ninety nine percent perfect in my eyes. <laughs> I'ma work through it. I'ma work through Ouch. it. I'ma work um, through it. No, but no one's perfect. It was my fault. It's no, my fault. It's, it's right
2: now. Is, Tara, you, you asked the question. What story is your favourite then? Come on. Well,
3: this is slightly like asking me to choose between... Uh, children at the moment. Well, you
2: asked the question didn't you, I, I, and you and you only have one child Tara. <laughs> yes, it's well I mean Howard technically but mainly one. <laughs> Just Which, pick Harry Potter and be done with it. It's
3: incredibly <laughs> it's incredibly easy with Dylan because I call him my favourite one all the time. It must be quite shocking for uh, other parents who have more than one child but I kind of go hi it's you my favourite one and he knows I'm talking about him. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> so does Howard clearly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember when that was was me uh.
3: yeah bad luck um so you can't see this dane but we are facing a wall of books oh yeah uh, you've seen it before. which uh i seem to remember you saying i didn't need all of but um... well, if you got
2: rid of the fucking books then we wouldn't <laughs> need bookshelves would we? <laughs> like keeping all these books you've already read you've already read it
3: but i'm i'm obsessed with children's books uh, i did a master's in writing for children um, yes. and I write children's books uh, in my spare time to kind of keep myself sane. And there are so many amazing stories out there. But one of them that kind of sticks out, and I don't know whether you've read this, Dane, it, it was turned into a film. Um, I'm a big fan of The Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. Oh. And and I've been rereading them uh, recently. And I think it's because... Of how much it kind of re- reflects so much that's wrong about society, but in such an extreme way, you've got these all-powerful people at the mm-hmm. Capitol who are. Oh,
2: it's a great, it's a great world they've created, and so accessible as well, right? Like people bought into those film series and book series so easily, like they know it's quite a far-fetched. Um, thing but it, it isn't, really it
3: isn't you can totally see it happening because i mean it, mm-hmm. and it has happened you know yeah th- think think about back in roman times where the entertainment was christians mm. being fed to the lions uh to the masses and you know that's that sort of cruelty it's a very it's is a very good selection completely uh you know, within the scope of human uh, experience, and and the way that the powerful people are just—they're just distracted from cruelty by uh, by essentially consumerism. They're just constant. Yeah, like,
1: uh, I don't think it's that far off. You're right, Tara. I think, and I, I'm very—I I think I'm very much in uh, into books which do depict dystopian uh, situations in a not too distant future because 1984 is also one of my favorite stories
2: yeah. for the same
1: reason okay. that there are so many um, modern day parallels between what happens in the book and what we're dealing with now so like with the hung- Hunger Games it's kind of like hungry poor impoverished children engaging in urban violence in order to survive
2: it's not too far-fetched a yeah. concept now especially in London so yeah I dig it, it. It's a good answer to a good question, Tara. Well done. You've you've, you've succeeded in Thank being you, on this show. Um, I, th- I was going to say the death of Emmett Till is another one to chuck out as a good as it's not necessarily a story that I love, but is a, a, a pretty incredible story. Uh, Bob Dylan's oh, song,
1: a time to kill as well. Uh, John Grisham, that's a good story. There you go. There's another one. There yeah, you go. There, 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 there you are are go, listeners. The, there are loads of good stories. There are loads of good stories. The important yeah. thing is, I think, Tara, you're right that. Uh, people continue to exchange stories because that used to be a function of people like in West Africa, pre-colonial West Africa. Gryos were their task with just remembering stories about their culture and about their ancestors. Mm. And their sole job was to pass those stories on uh, transgenerationally tra- to successive generations. Just so there's a- at a time when, uh, I suppose... Um, well, culture was exclusively verbal and you know would have predated, you know, been able to write down materials and literature. So I think yeah. stories are important. It's a good question.
3: And Native American culture actually their entire moral system were often based on on stories and linked to the landscape. All this all the different elements of the landscape around these people would be linked to um moral stories.
2: Well, that story worked out well, didn't it? Oh. So.
3: Uh, <laughs> and you didn't let me finish.
2: No, head. it wasn't that. We made the, Amer- the American, uh, the Native American story. The whole point
3: <laughs> of that was to say that when they were moved off their land, they weren't able to link their stories to oh. their landscape anymore. And therefore, they felt they couldn't recreate their moral code, which was very upsetting.
1: Can't hmm. spell history without story, Howard. That's the
2: point, yo. Yeah. It's the things that's written by the victors. His so, story. Um, but it could have been yeah. her story. Uh, but anyway, could be. Um, uh, well, a good question from a good person.
3: <laughs> I'm going down all the time. I'm going down all the
1: time. Now you're, a, now you're a good person, not even his what, wife. Yeah.
3: What will I be next time? My,
2: my <laughs> question. Average
3: person. <laughs> Ready to pop the question?
2: My question has to tap into what uh, you've dedicated so many years of us knowing each other. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, right at the beginning when you uh, had one little web page, you had like one page on, on a website with just a logo, right, for the Buy Me Once. Um, long, I
3: remember that A long
2: time ago. Um, and since then, you know, my wife genuinely has done her bit. You know, when people say, oh, you should do your bit, you know, she's done her bit and beyond to try and save this, this planet. Um, and my question to you both is: Do you genuinely think we can still save it? Depressing as fuck.
3: <laughs> not all of it, no. Yeah, not all of Unfortunately, it. Right. we're past the point of no return for quite a few people, and certainly a huge amount of animals. I think over sixty percent of mammals are, and are now uh, ceased to exist over the last few decades, uh, which obviously is, is, is pretty upsetting to say the least. There's so much that we need to do. And what's extraordinary, I think, is the lack of gumption in people. If there was an outside force for example, it, say there was an alien invasion. They were coming down. They were wiping mm. out sixty percent of our animals. They were causing tidal waves and tornadoes and fifty degree summers. Say this was happening from an external source. You imagine how the world? Oh, would... we'd love it.
2: We'd love to fucking kill those aliens.
3: Well, exactly. Why aren't we gathering our weapons? And coming up with some sort of battle plan.
2: It's uh, Dane, ridiculous. any, any, any <laughs> answers?
1: I mean, I think, it's, I think it's a good question. I think the, a large reason is that our military-industrial complex and the uh, source by which these weapons we would use to uh, tackle these ecologically destructive aliens is also powered by our own ecological destruction. Because, um, you know, war machines require fuel and stuff. Uh, so I, I'm sure a large part of the damage we see to the planet is a result of our um, our, com- our propensity to combat, maybe. Um, but I'd say, um, I, I think you're right, Tara. I think there is some parts of the world that are salvageable, but at the same time, unfortunately, in many respects, we are past the brink, and so maybe there is... Maybe it's not really about preservation now. It's maybe about damage limitation. And uh, that's what we need to focus on. Um, I, like yourself, would love for there to be a lot more of a focus on it and more gumption. Do you think if... Because uh, I going to say if people knew the severity of the problem, they obviously do and are still able to use cognitive dissonance to ignore it. But if there was, money wasn't an object, and everybody was like, okay, cool. We are all now going to work towards preserving what we can of this planet and its various ecosystems, bios, et cetera, where do you think uh, the most attention would be required if it could be like a unified effort? Hmm.
3: Well, it's all about looking at what we're, what, where the most damage is coming from. And mm-hmm. so, you know, clearly the, the climate change is, is the bit, the biggest one. So it's about cutting emissions and that's actually, those are the weapons that we have. It's, mm-hmm stop eating meat, stop flying, uh, change your energy provider, incredibly easy. Go to Big Clean Switch right now. It'll be cheaper. Um, and uh, stop buying crap, which is you, where I come think, in.
1: So when you when you say stop buying crap, I think that's a good point. In terms of um, crap, would we... Let's say you're in, you're in charge. And I. Mm. so, for example, based on what you say, Tara, like I'm like yourself. Sometimes I walk down like Oxford Street and I'll see like, you know, just small independent vendors and they'll sell things like, you know, there'll be bouncing balls that like glow in the dark and there'll be little mm. toys and instruments for kids. And, and I, think, I think, my God, that's going to be thrown away in less than a month. Yeah. Would you?
3: Stop buying that.
1: <laughs> start buying that i mean i'm with you but i mean do you think there should be punitive measures for people that continue to man- manufacture this kind of thing because i think obviously people think about you know plastic in the form of like packaging and you know food stuff but it's like for me it's like the small bath packaging where it's like the additional packaging that goes into when you buy uh, accessories or buy clothing from hawk couture or you buy uh you know from high-end stores or even like i said the little toys here and there or you know would, would we need more punitive measures for people that still maybe use more than they need to in order to realize their produce? Or is there an, needs to be like a... Because one of the ideas I think I'd spoken to, how Howard and I have spoken about was like, when it comes to consumables, charging people for a subscription rather than charging them for each individual product. So let's say you had a subscription to Unilever.
3: Hmm.
1: So instead of you going to buy individual jars of like Dolmio or like Aftershave or, and you know various other consumer products... You have a subscription where you can return with your own receptacles and containers, and maybe fill up of that product. Would that make more sense, or does it need to be? Or does the production of these things need to be reduced in its entirety for us to save the planet?
3: Well, yeah, it's, circular packaging is definitely one thing that that can help, and there are companies who are working hard on that. What I would say is, products need to start reflecting the damage they do to the world, and they don't at the moment. You know, something might cost fifty p, but actually the damage that it's that it's doing is absolutely massive. So if it reflected that, there should be some sort of kind of carbon tax on on products that makes you kind of think twice about buying some piece of meaningless rubbish. Well,
2: it's like the whole thing with uh, uh, soft drinks, right? Like that extra tax is gradually going to go up higher and higher on soft drinks that are full of sugar, right? And gradually, people will just stop buying it. I think.
1: Well, you think so, Hal? But that's a, you bring up a good point because I think part of the answer to the question, Tar, is like when we when Howard says like, is the world is can we still save this world? I feel like if we still live in a world where capitalism requires the exploitation of resources for people to realise capital gain, is that ever going to be possible? Because mm. I think that's a big part of it. Is that you know where it's like we all know that fructose and cornstarch is, is damaging to everybody. It's not a naturally occurring sugar and causes diabetes, childhood, obesity. But so, but rather than say you shouldn't have it and make it a controlled substance, it's just taxed so that people can still ingest it, but there's some, the government makes money from it. Mm. So it, it seems like it's going to be very hard for this kind of thing to like you know, be remedied if there's money to be made. So uh, the, my question is, does part of the problem... Involve the fact that people are massively financially incentivized to continue to exploit resources. Like if you are from a, you know whether it's Primark or a company, any kind of you know textile manufacturer, like they, these companies, they they burn their clothes, they they burn surplus stock. Like,
3: it's absolutely hideous. I actually started a petition to get um, to tax Amazon. Uh, particularly to stop burning all the stock that they are currently burning. I think it's about 130,000 products uh, a, a week they're destroying. And these are perfectly good products that people need. And because it costs them money to store on their shelves and they're not selling them fast enough, they destroy them. It's absolutely hideous. I think that what we need to do, and part of what I'm trying to do is to make it easier to do the right thing. And so that's what Buy Me Once and Beagle are all, all, all about. So Buy Me Once is all about getting people to buy one thing rather than the same shoddy thing over and over again.
2: Uh-huh. And Slightly complicated business model, I might let you know, but... Uh...
3: <laughs> <laughs> Not really. You just buy one thing rather than a whole load of crap. Well,
2: from the... Anyway, fine.
3: And then Beagle is even easier. Essentially, what it does is you go online, you shop as normal, and Beagle pops up with a more environmentally friendly option to whatever you're looking at. So it can tell what you're looking at. You're looking at a pair of black skinny jeans, male, and um, it will pop up with a eco-friendly version of that. And you get to switch over. So the, the idea is to make it, easy to do the right thing and i think the trouble is is that the likes of amazon they make it so easy to do the wrong thing there's zero friction in that um user journey so you know if you if you want something you know that it's two clicks away and therefore uh,
1: so so it's part of the key uh, to have conscientiousness over convenience
3: We need to make conscientiousness convenient because people, Mm. unfortunately, are, you know, they're they're time poor, they're stressed, they don't have the headspace to constantly think about the planet. I think Mm -hmm. if any solution that involves the majority of humans to have the planet in mind at all times is going to fail because that's just not where we're going to get to because, you know, people have a lot going on, so... some people, and I count myself among them, have to do something to make it easy for people to do the right thing.
2: I just think it's, to me, it's always, I've said this to you many times, but, you know, there's a lot of very powerful people in this world who are doing a very, very limited amount towards this problem. You know what? Some of them we've had on this show. (laughs) Mm, You know what I mean? Like... I don't disrespect people for saying that. I'm just pointing out that if you have this huge, le- you know, leverage of all of people, then you, you know, you've got to, like football. You know, football can do a ton for good. I saw the other day they were doing uh, the the Chelsea Spurs game was the first carbon net game in the Premiership. I was just like. Really? Are you guys not? you yeah, how fucking rich are you, fuckers? You could do this in every game, couldn't you? Why are you making a big deal out of this one game? Like, do this every game from now on. Like, make a big deal out of the fact that you're being environmentally thoughtful. Um, so, it's. I I think that's where the 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 the, the real because we we've, we've proven many times in the past you can utilize the, the most kind of uh, popular people in the world for good. You know, it is. It is a it is a tactic that we need to employ more. I'm not one of those yeah. people, obviously. Well, I mean, I, I mean, there's, there's also something to consider. Um,
1: George Carling, the comedian, when he was like, "Have humans maybe considered that the healing process that the Earth might undertake doesn't involve them?" So <laughs> <That's laughs> we talk about, you know, can we save the planet? Who says that we're necessarily involved in that equation? Yeah, you know, maybe you could argue that. Uh, Uh, our use of hydrocarbons and plastics and, you know, how they're polluting our seas and beginning to disrupt our own lives and how we're beginning to ingest, like, microplastics, maybe that's the beginning of the the planet getting rid of us. And maybe that might be a key part of its uh, recovery, all by, I guess, rectifying our numbers like it would with any other organism. I think, you know, that's part of the problem is that human beings forget that they are part of an ecosystem and an interdependent one where they're supposed to observe symbiosis. And with most other uh, life forms, if, for example, through our actions, we've caused the habitat destruction and the extinction of a number of species, if we begin to tamper with our own food sources, then that would lead to massive global food shortages, which might affect our numbers. Mm. Or if we begin to, ta- you know, even at a very microscopic level, if we pollute our seas to the point that plankton aren't able to reproduce, or, you know, or bees aren't able to uh, able to pollinate, like that's how food chain functions. So maybe is the key that maybe we're part of the problem. Yeah. What do you think, Tara?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think that you're completely right. I think humans, at a very basic level, have completely forgotten that we're animals and Mm. that we're part of this planet and we need it (laughs) and um, we treat it like it's our personal playground. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
3: And that needs to stop right now.
2: Well, I hope that the listeners have got something out of that question, because we don't talk about the environmental stuff all the time. It does kind of reoccur quite consistently. But to give it a real section of today's show with our, our, our knowledgeable guest, I thought was a very good idea for our listeners to, to reflect on.
1: Absolutely. But I, I think it's a good thing. I think uh, part of the answer to how we go about changing things is to introduce environmental responsibility and conservation mm. into regular conversation anyway. So if we're going to talk about the weather, as we normally do in a very banal fashion as people, then maybe that should extend further onto like, you know, what meteorological aspects mm. are responsible for the weather. So why, is the rain, weather why is the weather Why so is
2: the so shit? Not just, not just the weather is shit.
1: So if we, instead of talking about how the weather is, we should talk about why the weather is. And then mm. maybe that can springboard onto more conversations about conservation. Or when we go, that's a nice new pair of shoes. Did you obtain those sustainably? and then
2: you know <laughs> without without taking a very judgmental tone no of course um, of course um but yeah well a good question howard thanks man it's over to you now for the final question of today's show which has been uh, fairly painless for me so far given you know our guest is someone i've spent a lot there's still time yeah we'll see what dane's right, question howard. is
1: so far <laughs> So, tara this question is of course to you Ooh. uh as you may or may not know or sometimes are led to forget based on Grumbly Grumblinson over here, Um, (laughs) you will know that you remain a light within Howard's life and saved him from an otherwise unfulfilling limbo of meaningless interactions with people he didn't really desire himself. (laughs) Howard frequently goes on about the fact that you were able to... I guess metaphorically airlift him from romantic disaster.
3: (laughs) No, physically, physically airlifted him. And
1: physically lift him as well from a romantic disaster upon meeting him and then eventually becoming his uh, wife. Mm. Um, Obviously, you know how better than any any of us, including myself and the listeners. Um, what we all want to know is Tara what I definitely want to know is that obviously don't Howard
3: ask the question only... I'm now a bit scared
1: <laughs> No, shut up, no, don't be scared because Howard only tends to hint at uh, aspects of your coupling but what we all <laughs> definitely want to know is ask you and this is just for you Tara talk us through from beginning mm. to the meeting that first mm. date what oh. was the first date like with Howard oh. and I mean before you even met Howard I meant the day Getting ready, what dress you chose, if you wore a dress, what shoes, what you thought the food, what this clown wore the first time you met him, because he frequently says on the podcast, I don't give a fudge how I dress. So I want to know how a man who is very clearly some kind of fashion phobe dressed to meet the woman of his dreams. So to the best of your recollection, Tara, could you please tell us what your first date with Howard Cohen was like?
2: Oh, God. Well done. It wasn't. I mean, not that it was bad, but God, that's a while ago, isn't it? Bloody hell.
3: Not that old, Helen. <laughs> okay. It was a lovely spring day. <laughs> I put on a 1950s dress.
2: Orange. It was orange.
3: orange, yes. Very well, not many people re-
2: dress in orange. Well
3: remembered. Mm.
1: Uh, no, yeah,
2: not many people do dressing orange. Yeah,
1: yeah, brave move. Some people, some people spray themselves orange prior to a date.
3: Tara went a different group. I did not. Yeah,
1: Tara went a different group.
3: I turned up outside Liberties, which is in Central London, lovely mm-hmm. Tudor style shop, mm-hmm. and I believe I was early. So I called him to figure out exactly where he was. obviously, you' only seen a little bit of a grainy photo on plenty of fish. wasn't exactly sure what it was gonna look like in real life. so called him up. I got this kind of. Paul Merton voice at the other end of the phone, <laughs> which
2: mm. wasn't
3: necessarily encouraging, but um he <laughs> said that he was just around the corner. So,
1: so that was a, that was an orange flag to go with the dress. Not a red flag. <laughs> orange flag.
3: Amber, amber.
2: Uh, amber flag, yeah, amber flag.
3: And uh and then and then suddenly there he was. And I, I believe you were looking semi presentable.
2: Thanks. Well, I assume I was, otherwise why. I mean, you, for why you, are you actually here? it was
3: very presentable. I think you were wearing a shirt
2: even right, there you go, which yeah. is pretty oh what I know <laughs> you own a shirt how I it i been some kind of job that required me to do it uh, that day so that's part of the reason but also because of you I guess to try and woo you with the shirt
3: he almost didn't turn up because apparently yeah. the woman that he'd gone out with the night before was so dreadful yeah she was that yeah. he was thinking about giving up completely apparently she wanted to make a tree no, she wants to make a guitar out of a tree and then live under the tree.
2: Yeah, not a plan. Not a good plan.
3: And this wasn't a lifestyle that Howard would have liked. So, there we go.
1: And we, and we all know Tara is not for people cutting down trees to make guitars. Yeah.
3: Absolutely not.
1: Because <laughs> you was like, that's not to sound sustainable. I'm Tara. Nice to meet you.
0: <laughs>
3: and that's exactly how I greeted him, obviously. Nice. And... Uh, he didn't really have a. He didn't have a plan. We just kind of walked. Well, I off was into like, Carnaby I, was, Street and I was a little bit disappointed. Yeah, about but that, the reason to there wasn't
2: a plan is because I had a very bad date the night before. I wasn't sure we were going to have this day. I
3: didn't know that.
2: And you know, I didn't really think it through. It was, no, you didn't. Maybe not. that was for the best.
3: So yeah, that that was a little <laughs> bit kind of disappointing. He he kind of we kind of meandered through Carnaby Street and uh, doing that kind of shruggy thing you do. Just like, oh, should we get some tea? Oh, let's have a drink. Oh. Mm. And uh, we we passed some it was Lebanese something like that like a
2: Lebanese bar
3: yeah really not my kind of place not
2: there anymore mm. uh, it's long gone
3: what a shame and oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> uh, we ordered a couple it of wasn't very good Howard
2: yeah fine
3: fine <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was thinking you know, he, yeah I I was, I was kind of drawn to him at this point yeah this kind of gruffy glasses Harry Potter thing going on
1: ah now I see yeah hoping to go home and horcrux with this little Harry Potter
3: indeed indeed and I think the first thing he said to me was uh,
1: we
2: got into the place we
3: got into the place he's like I have to wash my hands I have OCD I was like Interesting. I said I'd been on
2: public transport as well. You You
3: did say that as well. So I was sat there while he went off to wash his hands. And I was like, hmm. He could have just said I need the bathroom and gone and washed his hands. But instead he said, I need to wash my hands. I have OCD. So actually, this man is pathologically honest. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, brilliant, compared (laughs) with...
2: The, Quite a lot
3: of the, yeah. uh, the, the male wretches. race, yeah. actually. I will take the uh, the OCD. I handling. will lower
2: my standards just <laughs> for will. this one quality this man possesses. The truth is
3: important to me. The truth is it's important. This
1: amber flag is starting to look a little vermilion
3: now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. and, then we, and then we bonded over a dislike of fish yep. and yep. a passion <laughs> for Bob Dylan, yep. which is the one... Mm. Um, song artist I do remember the name of
1: and oh and so then and then at that point you went I'd like Bob Dylan too and (laughs) Howard said green (laughs) flag
3: actually no no incorrect (laughs) incorrect he was he was sitting on the other side of the table going no he wasn't girl and then I went to the bathroom and I put my hair down which had been up the entire time and you're like Actually she's not bad. No, at you it. did it in
2: front of me, I think. You didn't No 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 I went to the bathroom. So, oh nice my tactic, head down.
1: nice tactic, Sara.
2: I'm just a simple girl with a 1950 jet and legs. <laughs>
1: Bob Dylan and he said, Oh my be still, my beaten heart, or do I need to take some medication for my beaten heart?
3: <laughs> and then we strolled back through Carnaby Street yep. and he was the gentleman and he walked me back to my bicycle. Yeah and at this point I'm kind of thinking this has gone well you know we hate fish we like Bob Dylan he looks like Harry Potter what more could I ask for for a first <laughs> date and uh, I was expecting him to try and kiss me but he didn't and you know and you know <laughs> oh, why no.
1: because it's Howard <laughs> yes. and he has to push his hands because he has OCD as soon as he gets to the bar that's why why, did, <laughs> why?
3: why didn't why? why didn't you kiss me Howard you
2: know why I, want, I don't know why I want why. to hear you say it <laughs> I want to hear you say it, Howard. Because there was a group of men by her bike.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Howard, my God, you don't know how lucky you are, sir.
3: <laughs> and at our wedding, at our wedding, this was brought up. And by uh, think- the guy,
2: yeah, Sanderson Jones, who you know, he he he, yes. he married us. and uh,
3: And his line was... Luckily there wasn't always men by
2: Taurus <laughs> bicycle. Yeah. Uh, so at some
3: yeah. point he was able to get in there. One of those men gave me his number after you left. I
2: remember you telling me that. Like, yeah yeah.
1: yeah. He, See that how But I didn't call she, it. Yeah, good. Yeah, she didn't call it. I mean that could have been a very different
2: sliding doors moment really. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What if I right, for called any it? reason? I do re- Yeah, what if you what if you called it? Exactly. I do remember thinking and it, and this is potentially of use to the listeners who are looking for love. Um, when I left, I remember thinking, oh, we're we're not very similar. Mm. But that doesn't feel like it's going to be a problem. And I think in a world where we are constantly conforming and trying to assimilate to everyone, (laughs) you know what I mean? We're constantly kind of trying to please. I think it was actually quite healthy to sit with someone for an evening and just go, oh, this person's interesting. And yeah, I don't feel like I'm like you. Uh, and that has proven to be correct.
1: Co- and the, correct.
2: Uh, and, that, and let's hope that was an
1: afterthought to you going, why did I kiss her? I should have kissed her. She was so beautiful. Oh, I'm so stupid. Those guys were there and
2: everything. Next time I'm a kisser. But oh. it's worth flagging up, right, <laughs> that I did kiss her on the second date after the chicken you place, did. right? Yes. Ooh, just went ooh, to yeah, a chicken yeah, place. Okay. But I'd actually had to do quite a lot of work to get that date, right? That's true. And then you went away to France and I had to work even harder to get the dates after that. So actually, if I had kissed her and maybe, it, had, you know, progressed quicker, I might not have worked as hard and we might not be sitting here in our house with our child asleep upstairs.
3: Mm, interesting Ooh. theory, Cohen.
2: Well, I'm just defending my own, you know, inadequacies really, as, <laughs> as always. Uh... Howard, you're, you're married now. You don't need to continue to... Uh...
1: You don't have to continue to have to change who you are. She saw yes, you she do- who yes, you are. Does. <laughs> he does, he does? Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Prove yourself all the time. Every day is an opportunity uh, to better
3: yourself. Y- y- Even if it's just like the way you wash up could improve. Like, uh, yeah, who but, yeah. puts their things on the draining board? Oh, don't stop. Like this. actually up. Like he puts cups the right way up on a draining board. Like who does that?
1: Howard, the water's going to stay inside the cup and just get stagnant.
2: It does. What,
3: what's wrong? It
1: oh, does. What's wrong with you, Howard? I'm so glad we could what do
2: this together tonight. What is wrong with you? Um, uh, but you're happy, and you know you're happy. So happy. <laughs> you're happy, aren't you, with this so life? Happy. No. Oh, oh, overall, Howard,
1: but you know, you, you still have to keep <laughs> well, the to work best way. Sure, but but you know, of course, Howard. But I'm sure every every now and again, when you think about those 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 men that were crowding your now wife. <laughs> That should be the impetus for you to be like, you know what? Let me turn this mug down <laughs> just to let, just so she knows she made
2: that right decision that day. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. I think, I think the first dates are difficult though, you know, and of course they are, um, you know, for, for me, you know, the, the foundations of this very successful relationship is based primarily on, uh, I think open, like we're quite open minded about how we deal with stuff. Like, you know, we don't, like I just, I, the reason I'm saying this listeners is basically this as much as I might make jokes about Tara on this podcast she obviously is you know exceptional and I love her but at the same time it, one of the things that is is exceptional about her is to to not create the problems I've witnessed in my relationships in the past and uh which of and you know other people's relationships and I don't mean to put this in you know blunt terms but people are high maintenance you know, Dane. You know this.
3: <laughs> Howard took me to McDonald's People, on my birthday.
2: I took I took Tara to McDonald's on her birthday. She was very happy with that. Wait, on what date? What date was that? No, nah, that's like a couple of years in. I think. My. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I think
1: it's a it's a mark of a real friendship and relationship where you can both sit and have a Mickey D's together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But
2: the, the point see, like the,
1: you, can in front of, you can sit in front of the sofa with a takeaway. That's when you know yeah, it's real. Exactly. That's I and
2: I think I think the point I was getting at was that 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 even though she sounds like the queen. Like she's very low maintenance and, <laughs> and, and very happy to, you know, I don't have to constantly feel like, a, you know, the whole treading on eggshells thing that seems to be men saying it about women, which is often unfair. It's it, it, men create eggshells. They just do it in a different way um, for, you know, or do, you know, same sex, <laughs> Jesus, same sex relationships have it as well. All relationships can have these high maintenance scenarios and Tara is pretty low maintenance, which is, I think the main reason this has probably worked out. Well, yeah, it's a very Thanks, complete. A
1: very, well, she, well, I guess what Howard is trying to say, is, <laughs> as bad as he articulated, is that it's very refreshing to be with a complete person who isn't completely emotionally dependent upon me, and is obviously working towards their own self-actualization, where their primary concern is how to better the world and humanity as a whole so how could you
2: not fall in love with that Howard is what you wanted to say yeah no that was it yeah that, that was the one
3: yeah why didn't you say that
2: but because Dane said it for me it's just easy can, Dane, can, he be, can he you say, just stand he says next it to
3: Howard I, for the rest of our marriage no
2: I think it's going to go that way I think it might go that way because I feel like you know
1: it's he's just it's all like on it's all like at the tip of his lips trying to
2: express it by I thinking, say very nice things to her I say I don't doubt I don't I doubt say, that Howard. Do. I, yeah, I do. I just and I just think on
3: post-it notes. Sometimes there
2: you go. That's that's cool. As long as you, go. but
1: that's the main thing. I think it. it you know, love should be a free exercise. So if you do normally feel repressed and expressing yourself, there should be that one person they are very comfortable doing that. I would
2: say one thing well, about it. No, and, and, and before we wrap up, is to, is to point out that the that no matter who you know what your relationship is, once you make one of these fucking little people. You got to learn that relationship again. <laughs> it's, de- it's definitely changes, right? Like it's not. I'm not, and it's not me in any way being negative. It's just like, fuck me. You really do end up in a different game, of, oh,
3: a whole new ball game. Of
2: just trying to balance everything and not
3: baby ball game. Yeah, to me, to you, catch. Well, that's
1: it. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Catch, and and I guess it's it's a. Uh it's important to uh, have conversations where you remember exactly. <laughs> and remember who you were before the ball came into play. That's tough. And remember, and remember before the ball, you were a team before the, before the ball came along. Mm. I think that's important. And sometimes it's important to have a team talk, to go over tactics, uh, to discuss issues. If someone feels like they're not holding up the team and stuff as yeah. well. But um, I mean, yeah, I think it's been, I think it's cool, man. I think Howard, if anything, it's, you know, as much as you talk about and gush over Bob Dylan to be able to find a woman who has almost little to no interest in music apart from one <laughs> of the one people you idolise to the point whereby you were able to name your first son. Yeah. And you know, yeah, it's pretty through through Tyra's love, you've been able to rekindle a paternal uh, relationship with your son, yeah. which his you know, first your choice father... was
3: Bob, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, yeah. he was gonna call my child
1: Bob. Bob. Bob's quite a nice though. Bob.
3: It is not. Be
2: nice.
1: There you go. Exactly. Do you do you see how integral you are to his life, Tara? <laughs> yeah.
2: Can you see that? He would Can you see exactly
1: Tara? Well. Can you see that as, as much and as noble as the work you're doing is, the biggest natural disaster you have to take care of is the oil spill that is Howard Cohen? <laughs>
3: We're going to need a bigger mop.
2: we going to need a bigger mop. Well, well, You've got, you got a lot of time. You've got, got a whole eternity to find one. On that bombshell. So, uh, <laughs> I hope you, you two have enjoyed yourselves. <laughs>
1: we've enjoyed ourselves immensely, Howard. You know, they, it is very said, you know, albeit somewhat archaic, that um, you can measure the character of a man by the woman he's with. And so,
2: doing all right for yourself, mate, isn't Yeah, no, and, and you know, we've talked about Tara coming on the show before. And, you know, I think... One of the reasons uh, to have you on the show was because of what you're up to, eh, Tara?
1: Um. Right. And also, and just for the audience to listen to Tara and get context for who she is so you could find out by how large a scale how it is punching above his weight. <laughs> and we are looking at, it's essentially, this is an Oompa Loompa versus Godzilla in terms
2: of <laughs>
1: disparities in weight. That's how special Tara is. Yeah. So... Thanks again for coming on the show, Tara. Um, Please, could you let our listeners find out more about the good work you're doing? And also, just for their own sake, if they're interested in observing more sustainability uh, and environmental conscientiousness, what they can do first off or where they can go to find out more.
3: Right. So many things you can do. Go to buymeonce.com. We find the longest lasting products on the planet um, and do all the research so that you don't have to. And um, go and download the Beagle button, which is so exciting. It's this very, very clever piece of technology that I didn't um, write myself, but I came up with the idea for it, along with my co-founder. And the idea is that you only have to download it once onto your desktop. And from then on, you can just shop as normal online and wherever you go it will pop up with a more sustainable option than what you're currently looking for, which is very clever and feels a little bit like magic. We're currently crowdfunding, which is really exciting. So you could actually own part of that business if you would like to.
2: Make my life easier if you can.
3: Uh. <laughs> Absolutely. Um but more than that, just just I guess think think carefully about what you're buying. Buy what you need uh, not what you not need, what you don't need, and buy to, to last. You can find me at. Uh, I do all
2: the social media at the end. You're oh, sorry. That's like, all right. Oh. Let the woman speak, Howard.
3: <laughs> stop mansplaining. What? No, I do it at the end. It's in the
2: credits. But you're fine if you want to tell people your Twitter stuff. You can. No, that's fine. Okay, you do it. Fine, I'll do it in a bit.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much,
2: husband. Well, well, this has been this has been very
1: very fun for me, Tara. I hope that this has been fun and cathartic for you. And uh, we just want to say, collectively as a podcast team, thank you uh, for coming on the podcast. Thank you for being yourself and. Thank you for completing a man and being a compliment <laughs> to his mind, body, and soul, and giving him the greatest gift he could possibly ask for, which is a unconditional love and a son and a child yeah. and a family, which is what and a cat, was, and, a lot, cat. She's, and a cat and yes, so uncondi- a cat. Un- exactly, cat. So the unconditional exactly. So the unconditional love of supporting family, you know, can't even put a price on that. So. Thank you very much on behalf of everybody here at Dane Baptiste Questions Every
3: single. My absolute pleasure, Dane.
2: <laughs> You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to DaneBaptiste.co.uk. Or follow him on Twitter at DaneBapTweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTeast. Our guest was my wife, Tara Button. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Tara Button. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at WeAreAudioCulture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQEPodcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly and the ACAST team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything.